Trigger warning, this episode talks about infant loss and parental loss. Hi mamas, welcome back for another episode of Moms with Moms. Moms offering mom support with moms on microphones. I'm super freaking pumped today because I actually have Gina Mundy with me. And at first, before you do anything, you need to Google her right now. I'm going to give you five seconds to Google her because you are going to be super impressed. So I'm waiting five seconds. All right. Now that you've read about her, I'm going to tell you anyway. So she's not only an attorney, but she's also a seller, a bestseller for her book, which is, I'm going to say it because I'm going to butcher the name, A Parent's Guide to a Safer Childbirth. Now, if you didn't Google her, I'm just going to give you a quick lowdown. She basically helps moms and parents with safer and protecting moms with childbirth. Gina, did I get that right? <laughs> Perfect. So I was super excited because she kind of reached out and asked if uh, she could come on the channel. And I said, obviously, of course. And we're just going to get to know her. So, Gina, what are three things that you think that our mamas should know about you? Uh, Well, thanks for having me on your show, Courtney. I am super geeked for today. Thank you. So I think three important things. Um, Number one, my most important job, being a mom. So I have a 19-year-old daughter. I have a 15-year-old daughter, and then I have a nine-year-old son. So if you notice the gap, the gap is because I've always been like a working mom. Um, So I kind of spread them out so I could, you know, as one went into kindergarten, I'm like, all right, next, Uh, you know, type deal. So um, with that said, I'm also, I've been a practicing attorney for over 20 years. Um, I specialize in something called childbirth cases. Um, I never even knew my profession existed until the day I started. Um, but it's, you know, it was it's like new information. It was very fascinating because no one teaches you about like what I do. So basically during the birth of a child, when something goes wrong and baby's not born healthy or baby passes at birth, or I've had some super sad cases where actually moms passed away at birth um, or during the birth of a child, her child. Um, then I'm the attorney on the case. So I come in and I'm like, all right, what the hell happened? Yeah. Uh, more importantly, I'm like, all right, what should have been done so mom could have raised her baby? Uh, what should have been done so baby was born alive? Um, yeah, so those questions, I traveled a lot uh, as a working mom because um, those questions took me all over this country, every hospital system, every state, just meeting with delivery teams, uh, yeah. to, you know, hash out every aspect of labor and delivery. So that takes me to the third thing that I'd like everyone to know. But um, basically, I took that experience and I wrote a book, like you just said. So I'm an author. Um, But basically, the reason I wrote that book is instead of getting involved in the aftermath of something going wrong, I'm trying to get involved before childbirth to make sure that, you know, these mistakes and complications that I have seen for over 20 years don't happen. I think all of us, I mean, you know, most people are guilty of, you know, of this, but you know, bad things only happen to other people, not me. And let me tell you, you know, it's, they learn a lot after childbirth in the aftermath of something going wrong, but yeah, that, that mentality, it's, that's rough, but yeah. So when you 
started a as a lawyer, did you start out in the profession and the part of it that you are in now? What was it called? Child, child. So child technically, care? I'm a birth trauma attorney, birth but trauma. I, usually I say child birth cases because I hate. I don't like child, but birth trauma <laughs> was my department or whatever. Um, yeah. No, so basically, I wanted to be. You don't learn about this profession at all anywhere never heard of it never even knew something from like what there's mistakes during childbirth and babies die what so you know so basically I wanted to be a real estate attorney I went to um a larger firm got my first job in yeah. birth trauma in hopes of transferring to the real estate department when something opened up but then I got my first case in February 2003 and I was just completely blown away I was like whoa and then talking to experts and they're like, no, this baby shouldn't have died. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? And then you start learning and you're just, you're just, it's very, it's fascinating um, because you just have these precious lives that are, you know, eventually gone. And you're just like, and, and I'll tell you when a mistake takes the life of a child, a baby like that. Oof, the well, it's, it's really nice to know that moms and also dads, like if they lose the mom, they're protected. It's not, it's not something that just happens and you move on from it. I mean, not that you could ever move on like that, but you have protection. And I didn't, like you said, I didn't even know that existed until I Googled your name <laughs> and I saw that. I'm like, whoa, I went down an intense rabbit hole of learning about all of that. And no one talks about this and no one talks about your rights. You don't really, they talk about a birthing plan and how you should have a birth plan and how you should have this but they don't talk about like the ways that you should be protected and the ways that people should make sure you have this set in stone, this set in stone. So I think it's really nice to know that there's this piece of pregnancy and obviously postpartum too, because this could happen after postpartum that helps you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, tell let me, here's the deal during childbirth and whatnot, like mom is ultimately the, the decision maker. Um, which is why it's super important to have an understanding of childbirth before you walk in that door. Because I'll tell you, in a lot of these cases, these families are one decision or minutes from a healthy baby. So those decisions are huge. And you're the decision maker. Your yeah. doctor, your nurse, your midwife, whoever the heck is on your delivery team are your medical advisors. They can guide you. They can make recommendations. You decide. No one has to stick an IV in your arm. Nobody can start pit. Nobody can do a vacuum. Nobody can do a C-section, blah, blah, blah. Unless you say, okay, or I agree, or that's what I want. So and that goes for postpartum care. It goes, it goes for everything. I mean, it's your baby. It's your body. You are the decision maker. So just, you know, but with that said, that sounds great and all, you now have a responsibility when you think about it. Like you have a responsibility to make those good decisions. And sometimes doctors are some, you know, hospital uh, staff, the nurses or whatnot, they'll give you some options. So, you know, it's important to have a good understanding. And I think everybody wants to get the nursery ready, buy the cute baby clothes. What stroller are we going to get? Listen, as a childbirth attorney, I'm like, get ready for the big day. Make sure you're bringing baby home to, you know, to put the cute clothes on and, and put in the yeah. stroller and whatnot. Give me five seconds. He's getting fussy. Oh, of course. Brief pause because mom life. I love it. So he sometimes makes an appearance and today he's going to make an appearance because we have no choice. Hi. Hi, buddy. 
let's talk about how you were a working mom and how like you did say that your kids are spread out. So what was it like the first, the first time around? Yeah. So basically I had my first child a year into my career. Um, So that's rough because, you know, you're just graduating law school and you are now that brand new associate attorney and you're expected to work an insane amount of hours. So I'm pregnant within the first year. So, you know, but at that point, you know, you're pushing what 26, 27 and I'm like, so basically, um, I have baby, you know, I have my daughter who's 19 now. Uh, she was born on April 4th, 2004. So her birthday is 4404. I always love that. And uh, so basically it was great. Um, you know, I ended up having, you know, a C-section um, because I think of what I do. A, I, you know, I can't relax and be, you know, I'd wanted a C-section, but back in 2004, they were like, no, we really don't do elective C-section. So you know, it was, it was a rough go. So anyway, but it didn't matter. Once I went into labor, they were like C-section. So anyway, um, but for the first three, you know, three months or whatever, I was home with her and then that was it back to work. And, um, the issue I had was, um, I was in a location. So my in-laws were the caregivers. Well, they were a half hour North of me and my work was a half hour South of me. So it was like, yeah. So basically on Mondays, it was so hard. I would drop her off on Mondays in the morning and I would pick her up on Tuesday nights, be home Wednesday with her and then drop her off Thursdays and pick her up on Fridays. And not only that, but I was, you know, I traveled around the United States for most, you know, for especially the beginning. Um, well, yeah, so the woman on the totem pole. So they probably were like, okay, you yeah. gotta go here, here and here. Yeah. So there, you know, yeah, my parenting, uh, for the first one, not, not, not great. (laughs) So, you know, but it's hard. You're a new attorney. You're trying to make something you're, you know, you you want new attorneys work a lot. Or parent. I feel like you were, you were trying to learn, you were trying to figure out, okay, how do I stay a working mom, provide for my child, but also be a parent. So it's, I don't think that's poor parenting. Give yourself some more credit, girl. That's not for parenting. That's just like, how the hell do I do this all? Yeah. Yeah. So then I waited a few years, waited, you know, what, four or five years, wait, four years. Um, And then that's when number two came. Now, once Eliana came, so the first one's Abby, second one, um, girls, Eliana. um, Then I try, I went more part-time for a little bit. Yeah. That was huge. That was, and not only that, um, we it was like, ding, ding, ding. Okay, let's move near the in-laws. So that way I'm by the in-laws and I just have to drive south. <laughs> so yes, it was an hour Which drive, but it was just one way, right? So yeah. yeah. So then- Well, it, it makes more sense. You're not driving all the way up here to drive all the way down here to drive all the way up here to drive all the way down here. That makes, yeah, no, that makes more sense. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was great. So yeah. So then that was cool. And then I was part-time for a while, but I was very busy. The, um, you know, we, we were unfortunately very busy. So I ended up after a couple years after Eliana, the second one going back to full-time. So. Do you think it was better that you spaced them all out like that for you? It sounds like it worked, but do like, what do you think was the best about having them spaced out and not back to back. Cause like a lot of people have them now two under two. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, so for me, I mean, as I got to like enjoy each one like individually and whatnot. Um, but I'll tell you, it's really hard right now because I have a 19 year old, a 15 year old and a nine year old. They're completely all different. So and not only that, but growing up, you know, over the last, you know, nine years since Liam was born. Yeah. I mean, we're like different directions, you know, we're flying this way. So our kids, they're cool with each other. They watch each other, but they don't play with each other. You know what I mean? So it's like, they're too far in age to really be like tight. Um, yeah. And I don't like that. Cause I'll see, you know, my friend who has, you know, kids like back to back to back. Well, they're like best friends and then she can go anywhere and they all play together. And I'm like, Oh, I have to play with my kids. <laughs> like, I don't. I have to I don't do have the thing where they play with each other. <laughs> I have to play and play games. But with that said, then I am also it's forcing me to interact with my kids and not just be like, "All right, you two go play" or something like that. So it's and with me working all the time. I'd say, you know, I was even if they did have siblings, I probably would have been in there a little bit more. Well, and that's what I, I was about to say when you brought up the working is like you work a lot. So I don't think it forces you. I think it allows you to kind of have those different bonds and the different opportunities with each of the kids. If you had them close together, you might not have those bonds with them like you do and the ability to kind of spend separate time with each of them because they'd be close in the age and they'd be like, well, mom, no, we're going to go play. and We're going to do this type of thing. So I think it kind of works out for you and your lifestyle. Yeah. I, you know, I trust me, I've kind of, you know, as an attorney, we analyze everything mm -hmm. and I have no exception to that rule. So I kind of, I keep, I've always analyzed this. Should I've had my kids like back to back to back, you know, cause I decided pretty early on that it's going to be one way for like a while two you know, and a lot of people are like, wow, wow, that's a crazy decision. And, uh, I think ultimately for me, yeah, for a lot of what you just said, it was the best decision. So when you were, let's see, like the first five years, you already had your baby, your first baby and everything, because you said, oh, wait, no, you were, you were there for a year when you got pregnant. So yeah. what do you think from doing what you do? What do you think it kind of taught you? Shh, this isn't your show. What do you think it taught you going into childbirth? Like, what are the things that you think that you knew before? Oh, you Definitely. mean what I do? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd been, I'm, yeah, like I said, I've been in a year. So basically this is in the book, childbirth attorneys, because we, we can't unsee what we've seen. We don't, we can't undo what we know. It's hard for us to relax during childbirth. It's very, it's almost too stressful for us. So childbirth attorneys typically have like, literally they have C-sections. Um, 39 week elective C-sections. So I was pregnant. So was my friend who was a childbirth attorney. And um, this is actually in the book, but she, she, because elective C-sections in 04, 03 and 04, you know, not acceptable. So she's like, I have genital, she tells them I, she had genital herpes, which back then they're like C-section. Yep. We didn't even have genital herpes. She's like, Gina, just tell me you have genital herpes. I'm like, I'm not doing my doctor of genital herpes. I'm just not doing it. I'm not putting that in my medical record. It's not true. I'm not doing it. So, but, but my doctor was like, Gina, we're really not supposed to do elective C-sections. And I'm like, yeah, but I've seen some bad stuff and I'm kind of scared. And 
he was an awesome doctor and you know, he's like, you're going to be fine. But it was, I'll tell you, I woke up um, with my oldest and I was in hard labor, like hard. And I yeah. was, like, and I woke up just my body's like it's time right now. I mean, when I got to the hospital, they're like, you're dilated to eight. That's my first baby. I'm like, okay, you're wrong. Cause you're a resident. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I know for a fact, I'm not dilated to eight. And I wasn't, um, but I was in such hard labor that if, you know, it just, everybody's like, she's going to have this baby right now. Anyway, Abby's heart rate dropped, um, which is, you know, it's, it's very normal in labor, but I think with me, I wanted a C-section anyway. I was completely uptight. I was not a relaxed situation for me at all. They were like section. So that was it. So they, yeah, they, so, you know, cause I would stare, they had the, they'd put, the um, baby's heart rate. So baby's heart rate is like really how you tell, like I can look at a baby's heart rate and I can tell you if baby's a rock star or if baby's struggling during labor, right? It's like the first yeah. thing they teach you as a baby lawyer. So I have, I'm staring at the heart rate and they're, you know, I'm just wigging everybody out. It was so, so there's a section, just sectioner. So I'll tell you, it was interesting because I went into labor that very first, and I, this is in the book. Because the mental psyche between going into labor and the mental psyche of rolling up to the hospital for an elective C-section, it's completely different, right? So your body has these natural cues when you go into labor. And it's like, get the baby out, get the baby out. Your mm -hmm. nature inflicts all of this pain. You just want the pain to stop. The only way it's going to stop is the baby's out. Like, you know, whatever. So the first one was like a breeze because I'm just like, get the baby out. I don't even just cut me open. You know, you're you're in a different state of mind. So then I roll up with Eliana and, you know, like seven in the morning for my elective C-section. And they're like, here, fill out this form. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, have a seat right here. And I'm like, okay. So I sit, you know, I'm just like, this is freaking weird. Like, this is like, this is like eerie. I actually, I think I wrote in the book, it was like this eerie calmness. Like, you're like, uh. Because you know it's happening, but it's like, when is it going to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm two hours from them, you know, holding my baby. But the baby, I look down, is this massive baby in my belly. And I know the only way the baby's coming out is when they, you know, stick a scalpel. You know, you're just like, oh, so... I'll tell you the mental psyche with the elective. <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting, which is, I'll tell you, you know, with my kids, you know, I, they had, they don't know what I know. I'll, pre I'll prepare them differently because I'm a childbirth attorney. Yeah. Uh, and you know, a family will traditionally prepare actually, no, how I would prepare my kids for childbirth is my book. So I did write it for my, read kids. the book. There you go. Yeah, I wrote it for my kids. Like, okay, if I'm not around, you know, whatever. Um, cause we did have, um, like this kind of near family tragic event or whatever with the baby. And it just made me think, what if I'm not around for my grandkids and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, with my kids, you know, I would definitely kind of push them to, you know, go into labor. You'll be okay. There's just certain things that you need to know. As long as you know this, you're good. So, and they haven't seen what I've seen. So it's funny. I honestly now like thinking about it. I wish I read your book or knew about your book because I had an elective C-section. Um, oh, you did? I did. Really? I, Why? That's interesting. Most people so, don't do that these days. There was a lot. We had a lot of conversations 
going into it, I said to my boyfriend, I was like, I don't want to have a C-section and I don't want to have a traumatic experience. I said that if I already have these health concerns and it's possible that I'm going to have to have a C-section, I would just rather have it. Yeah. Well, that's, I'll tell you, that's some serious shit. Pre-plant. Okay. These are, this is in my cases, you know, it's not in my book yet. I, my book is divided into two childbirth and then pregnancy and pregnancy is not out yet. And, um, but, and remember childbirth. Oh, you, you know what? No, my book wasn't out yet. My book just came out June this year, June, 2023. You wouldn't have been able to read it anyway, but, um, I'm telling you, you know, they, I'm glad you realize these severeness of those diseases because though dude i have a mom's like it's not good what i've seen i hear the words preeclampsia high blood pressure hypertension i cringe as a baby lawyer so you having that elective c-section yes i'm it just scares the crap out of me so i'm glad you you know you picked you must have had a good um doctor who really i really did she I will say she was absolutely phenomenal because when we were talking about it, she was very honest. She had no opinion, Mm -hmm. never gave me opinion on it. She gave me straight facts, medical facts. And that's what I needed because I'm a very analytical person and I research everything. So I knew, hey, I'm having these health issues. And I said to her, we had the conversation. It was a month before I was due and we went in and I said to her, I said, can I do an elective C-section? And she was like, okay, tell me why. And I said to her, I said, you tell me what the likelihood of is of me having a traumatic experience and me having a C-section. And she's like, well, most cases, the trauma of moms freaking out and all of that is because they're having a C-section and they weren't prepared for it. Okay, that's it. That's all I needed to know. And I'm glad that I had the C-section because I felt so a sense of relief when he came. Like I wasn't tired. I wasn't stressed out. Mentally, I was okay. I was exhausted in a different way because, I mean, we had to go at 5 a.m. But (laughs) I didn't have to sit there and worry about how he's coming, if he's going to come safely. It was, like you said, it was a different kind of worry. Like, obviously, is something going to go wrong during the C-section? But... I didn't go in prepared saying, yep, my baby's going to come out naturally. It's everything's going to be great. And them telling me that's not happening, Courtney, your, your baby's in distress. This, no, I didn't want that. I knew that that was not going to be good for me. And it's, it's kind of reassuring to hear you say that. Cause it's like, okay, everybody thought I was crazy. They're like, well, why are you doing that? Because I don't want a traumatic experience. That's why. No, I, okay. No, we be, that's why baby lawyers have it. Like we can't even do childbirth. So, and I, this is in the book, but the 30, the 39 week elective C-section is the lowest risk to baby. I have never, ever had a case involving a 39 week elective C-section. So yeah. So for me, I, I want to see some music to my ears um whatever but i am a fan of a lot now let me tell you i get crucified every time i freaking say this but i am totally a fan of elective c-sections at 39 weeks i'm sorry i've seen too much it was 39 you get picture like i okay you know we have a baby pass away or something like that you know this is again one of the hardest parts of my job but you know we're like okay what 
pictures are you are we gonna throw in front of a jury for dead baby pictures you know so you can't unsee dead baby you know and it's like ugh. so the stuff i've seen it goes through my head and they always like the hospitals oh they always do like these the baby's passed and they do these cute baby pictures and i'm like oh you know but you're and you know the baby's not alive and you're just like i mean it's for the parents i get it but it's like i don't even know how they could look at that again and whatever so but again as a baby lawyer i can't even see that crap I and mean, it's not crap but you know it's it is it's just so hard so especially sometimes when it's a i should say crap in terms of like it's a preventable mistake that took the baby and then you see the pictures it's just whoa well it's like i mean there's gotta be what's niche there's gotta be something said the fact that we have to have lawyers for this like the fact that i mean not saying that it's not good but we have to have lawyers because there's knowledge that something's going wrong mm -hmm. i know it's when tough it I, you sound like me wrong. the day i started i am like what what you know it was very like oh Trust me, it was a rude awakening that day because, you know, I think as humans, we like to learn about new things and whatnot. Um, it's just that, you know, what I do and whatever, it's just not really publicized. Um, yeah. You know, people figure it out when something goes wrong. But otherwise, you know, there, nobody knows what, what we do. But I remember that first day, like, what? Just so you know, like when I started... I was on the birth trauma team. Like there was a whole team of us. So it no, I had my cases. I had a lot of cases, but so did everybody on my team, which is a lot of mistakes, a lot of dead babies, a lot of green damaged babies and dead moms. So the yeah. The fact that there's a whole team and it's not just like one singular person also yep. is a red flag. And things happen. I don't want to make some of these doctors feel like they're absolutely terrible. Sometimes things happen. Your job is to find out to see, was it a mistake that could have been preventable, right? right. Or was it actually a mistake that wasn't preventable? That's no, hard. I do love the book. So in the book, um, I'm like, oh, I was going to hold it up to show you a thing of it. But um <laughs> I have chapter four, it's like how to pick the good doctor. So basically, because of what I do, I analyze doctors, right? Can I stick them in front of a jury? Are they are they the good doctor? Because I can't stick a bad doctor in front of a jury. So there's a whole, you know, kind of like analysis like that goes into everything. So um the last um the last section of uh chapter four, it talks about the doctor that we were at trial with. And uh, she was a really good doctor. Um, it was a, we got the jury awarded the family, you know, money or whatever, but I mean, she was a good doctor. And, um, but yeah, there's a bunch of like good stories. Come on, this is funny. What You wanna see something cool? I just got this in the mail. It's a hardcover copy of my book as I'm opening it. So I've never seen a hardcover copy of my book. I've only seen the paperback. Oh, so this is going to be like your first. Yeah, I'm like literally doing like an opening, right? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? This is the hardcover. Ooh. I know, right? And that's the back of me when I'm not in sweats. 
I'm like, oh no, this is <laughs> look at you. I didn't realize yeah, this is funny. I didn't realize it, which is fine if it goes on YouTube or whatever. But I'm, you know, it's one of those days. Can you see this? It's fine. I'm fine. That's literally perfect. Everything is fine. Where did you get that? A small little uh, town. It's like a touristy town in Michigan called Pentwater. It's where, uh, really I, where I go all the time. And OBGYNs are like a different breed of people. Like they've dedicated their life to, you know, um, you know, delivering babies. And I'll tell you, obviously, again, I've traveled the country talking with them, meeting with them. Most, okay. Most doctors. Yes. Some irritate me. I literally wrote that in the book. Some do. Most doctors understand like a mistake in their profession is unlike any other, you know, or any other profession. So most doctors are good people in this profession. So, you know, I put that, that's all in the book, but yeah. So it's, well, it's you know, I don't want to, same thing. I don't want to like not, you know, cause just to clarify too, when these cases hit, I am the, the attorney for the delivery teams. I'm not the uh -huh. family's attorney. It's a very common uh, misunderstanding Literally, I usually before a podcast starts, I'll be like, hey, just so you know, I'm the attorney for the hospital. And again, it's the same thing. It's like, you are? Well, you wrote a book to the families. And I'm like, yeah, you know, um, hospitals, I know they have a bad rap right now. They're, they're actually not trying to kill babies. <laughs> like, they, they want these mistakes. They understand that crap happens, uh, whatever. And they want to prevent it, you know, just as much as, you know, someone, you know, like I do and other doctors or, you know, nurses or and whatnot. So they, they know. But I think it's good that you wrote your book in, in the light that you did for parents because of what, you know, I mean, your job is to make sure that those things don't happen again. Really? I mean, you, it happens and then you're like, okay, I'm going to sit here and find out why it happened and how it happened. And this hospital is not going to do that again, or this doctor is not going to do that again. So you may be the attorney for the hospitals, but your approach is to make it so it doesn't happen again or to ensure that everybody's protected in a way. So it doesn't, 100%. that's like someone saying bad doctors. It's like, oh, she's a bad lawyer because she's for the hospital. No, you're actually for the people because you're making sure that doesn't happen again. So yeah, that is, and that's, you know, and whatever comes of it comes of it. But yeah. listen, my mission, I'm telling you. So when I was writing the book, I cried. So apparently for the first um, 19 years in this profession, I suppressed like the emotional aspect of everything. And yeah. um, so when I started writing the book for the first three months, I actually cried every day. Like I, it was just all rushing out of me, you know, because they have to go back. You have to think about these families. You have to think about what happened. But I'll tell you, um, okay, garage door repairman's here. So hold on. Give me like, give me a few minutes. And then uh, little buddy too, you can, he's happy. I'll go, I'll go change his diaper, make sure that's not his issue. And we'll, we'll reconvene. I love it. I'll see you in five. All right, podcast break. <laughs> <laughs> thousand years later. <laughs> I yeah, I know. I'm moving like bunny cages and because we have a bunny in the garage up against the thing. Yeah. Massive and the bunny just sprays pee everywhere. You're like, <laughs> my daughter's like, ah! <laughs> I'm like, they got him drinking wine, so I'm okay. Oh my God. I couldn't imagine a bunny spraying pee like that. That's something I've never heard. Oh, gee, I, we, I have no idea why. That's so... I, he used to live in the house, um, but because he gets 
whatever he does this and he sprays pee everywhere. It's just disgusting. And so he it had to leave him in the garage. I, I'm trying to give him away. If you were close, I'd be like, does Bino want a bunny? Absolutely not. Nope, we're good <laughs> with our dog. <laughs> the dog is enough. So what's one thing that's in your book that gives moms a tip for childbirth? So that, right. So something that's completely different in my book. I mean, actually, my book's not your ordinary pregnancy book. Um, <laughs> so it's no, it's good. It's very direct. But one chapter that's amazing in my book um, that alone is chapter 11. And it gives parents the common mistakes and like kind of the reoccurring issues in my case cases. Okay. So basically, in these cases, I see a lot of the same things over and over and over. So if parents, expecting parents, have kind of, they know what these reoccurring issues are, it kind of gives them like this heightened sense of awareness. So, yeah. you know, like, okay, this is a common issue in a case, you know, let's make some good decisions or let's ask some more questions or whatnot. But for instance... Um, in that chapter, I go over like the number one most common fact and issue in a legal baby case. It is Pitocin. Pitocin is used to induce moms. Oh yeah, I get a new case in the door. Typically the first words I read are, mom is being induced with Pitocin. Most of my cases. So that is almost like it's, you know, and it may not be like the exact main issue, but there could be like this cascade effect or something. So yeah. then I'm like, you know, pit's a huge thing. So I've seen Pitocin inductions gone wrong since literally February, you know, my first case in February, 2003. Um, so then I have a whole chapter on, okay, this is how we're going to have a safe Pitocin induction. So anybody, you know, who is having like a pit induction or, you know, here's the deal though, like, you know, childbirth is very unexpected. You could walk, roll up to the hospital and they could be like, yeah, we recommend a Pitocin induction. You better know something about it because that's when things go wrong. So my book, you know, goes over basically the important things everybody needs to know about Pitocin, how to have a, you know, how to have a safe induction. Because while I, while Pitocin scares a baby lawyer like me, you know, I'll say something to my doctors. I'll be like, oh, I have to raise the, you know, Pitocin, you know, Pitocin scares me, but you're okay with it. So doctors are like, no, it's safe. It's, you know, whatever. And they, I will say with the doctors, they all agree that Pitocin is a good option. What they don't agree on is how to administer it. And that's, you know, mm. the dosages, how often they're increasing the dosages, how much they're giving. That's the, you know, where doctors really don't agree. So while my book may say, this is what I recommend, some doctors may, that may be their protocol. Other doctors, not so much. So, you know, you just, but you don't know until you read my recommendations, talk, you know, tell you what to, what to ask your doctor, you know, and stuff like that. So that's probably the biggest part. But yeah, there's, um, there's a bunch of information in there that, you know, I was in a, I was on a podcast and someone's like, why is this information just surfacing? And I'm like, I don't think a childbirth attorney ever thought to write a book. Like literally, he's, you know, like this is how I prepare my family. This is how I prepare my kids. 
we're different because of what I've seen, but now it's available to, you know, everybody. Well, not only that, but I feel like society was so hush hush about the negatives and the not so pretty things about like pregnancy, postpartum and all those things. And like people only wanted you to know the happy stuff. Yeah. And that's stupid. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like I'm in a generation where we are very honest. We are blunt. And as my mom would say, we bitch about everything. But there's a reason why we do, because I think the older generation was like, nope, we can't talk about the bad things. We just are going to brush it under a rug and we're going to ignore it. But that's why we have these problems. This is why we have postpartum depression, why something that you have done for now 23 years that probably should have been talked about and should have had knowledge about is now surfacing. Thank God for your book, honestly. Like, I think that every mom should know about your book. Interesting, because, you know, when I, because I'm, I'm a like a C-section person, but I get so much shit from people about it, you know, and it's like, you would tell people and you sound like you get some same shit. Well, listen, read my book. And then that way you'd be like, you know what? I read the book on safe childbirth. Just so you know, this is what childbirth attorneys do. It's the lowest risk to baby. You know, it'll kind of, you know, and then it also, remember again, it goes over the mental psyche, you know, that you know, you had an elective C-section, so you know that mental psyche, you know, the difference. Now, I was able to go into labor and get an elective C-section. Yes. So I can really hear <laughs> and contrast. But even elective C-section, if anything, it'll, it'll help, uh, you know, anybody who wants to, you know, combat, combat your decision or, or question it, I should say, um, you know, you come back in a little bit. Well, it's nice to know, because I mean, I did all my own research, as I told you, I did all my own research. And I looked, I literally looked at the risk and the rates. And that's why I chose to do the elective C-section. So it's nice to know who somebody who actually studies this shit can sit there and back me up and be like, um, yeah, yeah, that's true. You probably took the best route possible. So mm-hmm. it's really reassuring. So yeah, elective C-section mamas, you're fine. You're fine. Gina's literally telling you, go right ahead. Yep. Lowest risk <laughs> definitely, to baby. Definitely Lowest talk to your doctor for far to baby. 100%. So tell you too, because I'll talk to, you know, I talked to a lot of pregnant moms. So yeah, two, two parts of that elective C-section, very rare. Like I rarely, even as a childbirth attorney who talks to pregnant people, like very rare that anyone says it. Um, and then, um, well, I think I forgot number two. Dang. Brain frog. <laughs> I know. I'm like, uh, what was number two? Uh, I don't know. Well, we were talking about we Pitocin. that in 10 minutes, but the podcast is over. So, just, oh, no, you're fine. You were talking it. about Pitocin and elective C section. So, I don't know if that helps like jog your, your brain. Dead things. Um, <laughs> so, when I get, because of what I do, and I'll explain to somebody what I do, and they will be like, Oh my gosh, I had the worst experience, you know, during childbirth and I'll stop them and I'll be like, hold on. I go, let me guess. And seriously, 10 out of 10 times it's, you had Pitocin, didn't you? You were induced and they will be like, how did you know? And I'm like, cause I do. And I'm telling you the scary part is, is I hear all of these scary, you know, Pitocin stories because of what I do. Yeah. They have a good ending, right? But then I have to deal with the ones that don't have a good ending. So it's like sometimes you have Pitocin induction. If it's not done right, it's kind of like these close calls. And it's yeah. like you want to land on the right side of a close call. 
My cases are when they land on the wrong side of a close call. And again, minutes or a, you know, a quick decision from a healthy baby, which, you know, so this is life. This is new life in the world. You know, bring, you know, it's, it's hard. And it's important too, because like you said, it's not that they're bad doctors, but having knowledge and knowing kind of the risks and what could happen is really helpful because I think a lot of the times, again, I had elective C-section, so I don't know from personal experience, just from my own research and like listening to other people. When you're in that moment and they say, okay, this is what's going on. This is what we're going to do. And the doctor said, this is, you have this option or this option. You're going to go and you're going to say, okay, well, what do you think is best? And you're going to go with what the doctor says. You're not going to advocate for yourself because your first concern is your baby and what the doctor's telling you. You know, if you're not ready and a doctor, you know, you you enter labor or whatnot, you're in labor, you're in a different state of mind. It's the only time where, you know, being in pain is okay. And you enter this different state of mind, your doctor is now trying to tell you things that you have never heard before. And you go like deer in the headlights. Listen, it's hard to focus. Yeah. Especially if they're like, starting to question the health of your baby, it is hard to focus. So if you're not ready because you didn't do a plan, it's it's really hard to make those good decisions. And that's when you start relying solely on somebody, you know, hopefully they're having a good day, you know, and they start talking to you about what you need to know. And hopefully they're telling you everything you know need to know to make a good decision. So backing up. The circle around or whatever yeah getting it's just it's the act of preparing and that's that's what I really put you know focus on well, in in reality like you seem like someone who would ask questions and I ask questions but there are some moms who don't ask questions yep. so you're right not only are you a deer in headlights and you're not sure what's going on you might not ask about okay what's the what's the outcome of this what could what are the potentials what are the risks yeah because again you're in that you're in that mental state where you're like, nope, I just want this baby out of me safely. That's all I want. So your goal is the same thing as the doctor, but you don't know all of your things <laughs> and you're not going to ask. Yeah. So listen, I'm not, so I have a story in my book. Um, it was, uh, it was my cousin. We're tight. We're like sisters, but um, she was like 38 years old and her doctor kept pushing for a VBAC. So a VBAC is a vaginal birth after C-section. Well, she had just had her other C-section. So she had a C-section. She tried to deliver vaginally and then C-section. So now two years later, she's kind of like, okay, should I do a VBAC or an elective C-section? Her doctor was adamant. VBAC wouldn't even schedule her for a C-section. Um, so she, and the whole time she wanted a C-section, she's like, I've already had a C-section. We'll just do a C-section. Obviously she would communicate with me. And I'm like, listen, man, so your uterus is inside you. So no one can assess how your uterus healed from that prior C-section. Um, and you know, the risk of a V-back mm -hmm. uh, birth after a uh, C-section is that initial incision where they go in, um, and they delivered the baby that the risk of um, a vaginal birth after C-section is that and if that scar or the uh, incision kind of breaks open and then kind of baby like goes into the abdomen and it's just, it's very bad, bad for mom, bad for baby. Yes. It's called a uterine rupture. Um, it's, it's extremely bad. 
And um, so, you know, she's older and I'm like, why are you messing with the vaginal birth? Like, come on, you're, and I'm like, you know, and she's, she's a, she's beautiful. Like she's 38, totally freaking hot. And I'm like, listen, why even screw up your vagina? Like it doesn't bounce back. Like it does, you know, in your twenties, man, like just, you've already had the C-section. I'm trying to like hit her from different angles, right? you know, cause that makes you cares about all that shit. And, uh, she gets to the hospital. She's in labor. She went in early. She was like 35 weeks or whatever. And, um, and again, they want to do vaginal births. So she's calling me from the hospital again. So this point I take her down main street, you know, I'm like, if it was me, like basically unequivocally, I would do a C-section. She does not make a decision with me on the phone. So I tell her what I think. I said, if it was me all day long, C-section, yeah. not pushing vaginal delivery, not only vaginal delivery, but jump started with Pitocin, which was like, oh, oh, oh. Cringing at a this lawyer, I'm like, and Pitocin. I'm like, ah. Anyway, so she she goes back to her doctor and she says, uh, C-section. And the doctor takes her back and she does the C-section. And after the C-section, she comes back. The doctor goes, comes back in the room to Allie and tells her something both of us will never forget. And it was Basically, she entered the abdomen and she got to the uterus where then, you know, you make the incision to pull baby out that her uterus where the prior incision was made was paper thin. And not only was it so thin, the baby's hair was poking out of it. So if she would have tried the vaginal birth, it would have ruptured. Baby would have gone into her abdomen. And that's just really bad. But again, like no oxygen to be you have minutes yeah. to out. Where baby is, you know, big trouble. And same thing with mom. A lot of times those result in hysterectomies and mom can, you know, it's, it's very scary. Uterine rupture. You hear those words, read my book because it's nothing to mess with. And well, uh, again, thank God she had me. Yes. And I, listen, I didn't tell her what to do. I told her based upon what I've seen, these are the risks. I said, based on what I've seen, this is what I would do. You make your own decision. And luckily she, you know, sided with me. So anyway, her doctor told her that and literally thanked her for not listening to her. And I'm sure that doctor has since then changed her practice because she was really, Allie's, my cousin Allie's like, she was really shooken up. Like this could have been really bad. And thank goodness you did not listen. Chills. The lessons from that story is, you know, you, if there's a risk, because they kept saying, the, well, the risk of uterine rupture is so low, you know, you'll be fine. Most moms do this and they're that's, fine. But that's if a not, risk. yeah. Like, uh, and then I'm like, how do they, I'm like, this is a statistical, like I was saying, this is like statistical, like risk. Like these are stats. They cannot assess your uterus. Your uterus is inside you. They don't know what your uterus is going to do. <laughs> so... But anyway, stuff like that, that, you know, the moms really need to have an understanding. Luckily that day, Ellie made a really good decision or it's very possible, you know, her baby wouldn't be here today. I'm really glad that she had you because I think that if she didn't, she probably would have taken the other route because that's what the doctor was saying. Not only was the doctor saying it, she was pushing for it and advocating where I liked your doctor your doctor gave you options or explained yeah. risks and benefits. Maybe this doctor was like my way or the highway. 
to the mm -hmm. point where my cousin, because she was choosing, she did want an elective C-section, she thought that was a really bad decision because of how her doctor approached it with her. And trusted, she, she's never seen her doctor since. I mean, she's she was done with that doctor because she was, that was a very scary, obviously, situation. I do, in my, my opinion, I'm sure this is covered in your book, I do want to let moms know, like, elective C-sections aren't beautiful. And there is a lot that goes to elective C-sections. Like, you need to know that your recovery is going to be a lot harder. You definitely need support. Like, it's not when you give a vaginal, vaginal, when you give a vaginal birth. Vaginal, vaginal, I know, right? I say vaginal like every day of my life, right? You're so I, I, say, I say I'm like vagina is like a second nature to me, but I'll say <laughs> vagina. So I say, I'll say vagina in a, you know, podcast and they're like, oh, vagina. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I say vagina every day of my life because of what, what we're I, talking about. vaginal birth. Yeah. So now in podcasts, I've actually focused on being like a natural birth. <laughs> Just so so if you're having natural birth, I've never had that. <laughs> so I don't know what it's like, but from what I've heard is it's, you kind of feel pretty great after like two days, mm -hmm. uh, a recovery from a C-section. You're not going to feel great after two days. It's going to take you a while. However, yeah. make the decision of what you want to do. Just know and be prepared that it's going to be a lot harder of a recovery. It's going to take a little bit longer for things me personally, that was worth it to me. Um, I had a beautiful elective C-section. I was off my pain meds in twenty less than 24 hours. And I the only issue I had was I had swelling in my legs and my it went all the way up to my knees for um, two and a half weeks. Uh, but I was doing too much. So that was the problem was wow. I wasn't relaxing and I didn't have to go back to the hospital. But the doctor called me and she's like, you need to chill. Take the take 24 hours to chill and do nothing. And I bet you your swelling will go down. No, I like that you did point out. So that my book, again, yes, this is what baby lawyers do. This is whatever. But I do point out it's a major surgery. So you it is. Be it's it like is. Physically, I, physically it is. But I'm telling you, like I'm training for a six minute mile right now. So it, okay. yeah, but remember my last C-section was nine years ago. <laughs> And mine was six months yeah. ago. <laughs> right. A little bit different, a little bit different. So, but you know, you, you do my point in telling you that is it does come, you know, back around. So, and it may be even more beneficial because you do have to work harder after a C-section, I feel like to get, you know, back into the shape and to push yourself because you've been under, you know, the anesthesia and stuff like that. So. I am going to be quite honest. My workout regimen and my workout life is non-existent. I have a beautiful um, $2,000 Peloton that sits in this room <laughs> yeah. that I've probably ridden maybe about 10 times. Mm -hmm. um, but mom life has definitely uh, overtaken my my routine and my life. So, And if I want to have a second baby, my whole conversation with my friend was, I don't want to do all this work, lose all this weight, look hot just to get pregnant again, gain all the weight back and do it all over again. I'm comfortable with where I'm at and that's all that matters. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Oh yeah. No, that that's pretty. So hold on. Now, if you're going to be like me and you're four to five years apart, you got to get back in shape. But yeah, you're going back to back. Well, I, I, yeah, no, I'd be, uh, I'd be uh, eating my bagels and donuts. <laughs> 
Um, well, I've actually <laughs> become quite the housewife. I make sourdough bread now. I make homemade sandwich bread. So I'm gaining all that weight back from pregnancy. It's great. I'm loving life. That's funny. Well, you look great from uh, Zoom. So I'm. you might be a little hard on yourself. That's all I'm saying. Well, when you go from 120 pounds to 185 pregnant and then to like, I think I'm like 165. It's like, whoa. Um, oh my gosh. I would never in a million years guess that at all. Thank you. That makes me feel great. Everybody keeps telling me um, to give myself grace. And if your name is Grace and you're watching this, I apologize. I hate you, Grace, because I can't <laughs> give myself Grace. I don't know who you are. It sucks. <laughs> um, some days are definitely better than others. But I finally accepted that it's okay not to be in extra smalls and smalls anymore. I also have hips and yes, a ass. Even when you um, don't go naturally, they still go out. I know. Yes. And boobs. I've never <laughs> had boobs. And if you for those, yeah. Yes. I used to wear push-up bras because I was a very itty-bitty small bee. So my push-up bras gave me life. Now I want to get rid of them. Uh, before I got pregnant, I actually contemplated of getting a boob job because I was so uncomfortable with my boobs. Mm -hmm. And now I regret that. And I'm so glad I didn't get a boob job because I can't wear like bralettes because they just hang out. And they don't like sit nice. <laughs> so <laughs> the fun things of being pregnant. I have boobs now. Granted, I'm breastfeeding, so they're saggy as shit, but they're there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You were so funny. Thank you. Thank um, you. You'd be a good boy, mom. Too. Thank you. Thank you. I can't do the drama. <laughs> I'm enough drama myself, so I don't need someone to drama with me. <laughs> <laughs> and my you're so funny i just love it awesome all right so we're gonna wrap this up as always cheers gina thank you so much for joining us we had a great time we mm. did that was fun all right guys so what i'm gonna do now is i am going to have the name of her book right here Please go check it out. Please buy it. If you're a first-time mom or if you are a second-time mom or a third-time mom and you're going through this experience and you're not really sure what you want your pregnancy and your childbirth to look at look like, please check out her book. If you guys want to continue to see the episodes or if you want to comment or have any conversation or questions for Gina, leave the comments below and then also subscribe. If you are looking for daily inspiration, daily reels, or anything just to kind of be real and talk about the not so pretty sides of mom life, here's my Instagram and my Facebook page. And I'm on TikTok again. I got banned, but I'm back on TikTok. So here's my TikTok page right here. And then if you're a mom who wants to come on the channel to talk about your experience and hopes to maybe connect with another mom or just to share your story, please send me a DM on any of the um, pages or any of the links. Uh, if you want to remain anonymous, uh, that's totally fine. We also do... I have a couple of them that I plan on doing soon, but I love getting them sent to me in my email. You will remain confidential. Like I will not say your name or anything, 
but sharing your story is so important. That's the whole part of this is letting other moms know that they're not alone. Being a mom is hard and it's okay to sit there and say, this sucks sometimes. Doesn't mean you don't love your child or love being a mom. And as always, as moms, we constantly try to survive and thrive. So have your coffee, your wine, and your water, and you'll live till you're 100. <laughs> 100%. So thanks, thanks, mom. Bye, besties.